welcome to the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. The stories we tell ourselves and others shape the lives we lead. I'm your host, Dara Lise Lyons. My guest today, Miriam Horrocks Eisenberg, has a phenomenal story of transformation. She actually has a number of stories of transformation because this is a woman who has been through so many life events that have really changed and shaped her narrative and have enabled her to help a whole host of people through her example and her inspiration. And I'm not gonna tell you too much about her story, but I know that you will be moved and inspired by it, um, just just as I was. So um, thank you so much, Miriam, for being here, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about your experiences of transformation. So I'm standing in my kitchen, and I'm rushing around trying to get uh, the stew in the crock pot that we're having for dinner that night. When I look up at the clock and I realize I am already 10 minutes late, the story of my life, late to go pick up my kids from uh, middle school. It's 2007. I jump into my car, I whiz out of the driveway, and as I'm flying down the road, out of the corner of my eye, I see an unmarked police car. And I know that before I even look in my rearview mirror, I know what's going to be there. And sure enough, when I look behind me, I see the blue whirling lights. I pull over immediately and roll down my window as I'm preparing my papers and I glance back into my rearview mirror and I notice that the police officer is just staring at the back of my car, sitting in his car. I check my watch and I can literally almost hear my kids complaining from school about mom being late. Um, When the police officer finally emerges from his car, which seems to take forever, he comes to my window I hand him all of my information and say to him, I'm so sorry, I know I was speeding, I'm late to pick up my kids, uh, it, you know, I'll, I'll try to be more careful. And he takes all of my information, he doesn't say a word. And he walks away from me, and I'm, you know, I'm disheartened, I'm definitely getting a ticket. And all of a sudden, the police officer stops at the rear of my car, and he's looking at the back of my car. And he doesn't go back to his car, he comes to my, to my window again. So the police officer comes to my window and he says to me, I have a hobby of trying to figure out what people's license plate means. And for the life of me, I can't figure out what yours means. Now my license plate on it says ISNRKS1. I look at the police officer and I said, well, it's a really long story, I don't know if you wanna hear it. And he smiled at me and he said, well, if it's a good enough story, it might get you out of this ticket today. So I took a deep breath and I said, I was married to a man named Michael Horrocks. He was an amazing man. And on September 11th, he was taken from us. Three years later, I was blessed in meeting a man named Paul Eisenberg. He was widowed with two small children. We married and blended the family. So Michael and I had two children, and Paul and Nicole had two children, so now we had four children. And one day while we're sitting at dinner, the kids were laughing because nobody at school knew what to call us. Were we the Eisenberg family? Were we the Horrocks family? Was I Mrs. Eisenberg or Mrs. Horrocks? 
what we decided was that we would come up with one of those names like Brad Pitt and Angelina, the Brangelina type thing. And we decided to call ourselves the Eisenrocks. So for Christmas, on that first year after we got married, my husband presented me, Paul, with this license plate that said Eisenrocks 1. When I looked up at the police officer, after telling this story, I noticed he was crying. And he said to me, you know, Miriam, I was there that day for your husband's funeral. I was one of the police officers that was assigned to, to make sure that everything stayed calm that day for you and your family. I remember seeing you and your children get out of the car and I prayed for you that day. Pulling you over today is like an answer to my prayer. At that point, I'm doing what I'm doing right now and I was sobbing. He laughed and he said, I can't give you a ticket now, um, but I am gonna make you promise two things. I want you to promise me to slow down because you now have four kids, not two. And I want you to promise to never stop telling your story because other people need to hear it. As you know, if you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast um, on video, I believe that stories have the power to transform lives. And so does Loving Healing Press, one of our show sponsors. They uh, have an amazing selection of books, audiobooks, all centered around um, love and healing and utilizing fictional stories and utilizing non-fiction techniques and self-help uh, innovations and interventions to be able to really help people to live out the narratives that they want to live. And so if you want to take advantage of uh, a 15% off discount on any Loving Healing Press book or product, you can go to www.lhpress.com and use the coupon code DARALEASE15 for 15% off at checkout. Miriam, thank you so much for being here. It is, I'm so awed and inspired by your story and I'm really, really grateful that you're here to tell it. Thank you for having me. Uh, I feel called to tell this story and share this story and help others. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I'm so glad you got pulled over. Like, I'm <laughs> so glad you got pulled over. That was just one of a, of a string of events because I actually didn't start speaking right then, but I started to share my story more openly with people. Yeah. And as I began to share it more openly with other people, I became more confident in my story and I felt like my message kind of emerged from within. Yes. Um, so that I, I didn't, when it was time to really get up in, in front of groups of people and share my message, I knew exactly what I wanted that message to be. Yeah, yeah. When you said that you feel called to tell this, like to tell your story, to tell your experiences, and I just feel like there is such a hunger for people who have gone through any sort of like 
trial or tribulation to understand that that doesn't need to be the end of things. And I think that's one of the things that I take from your story is that, you know, that there is, there is beauty to be found even amongst devastation. So I was hoping you could maybe speak to that a little bit. Absolutely. And I agree with you. Um, every day we face defining moments yeah. and everyone's defining moments are different. My defining moments are different than yours, but there is a commonality in all of them. And that one commonality, I believe, is a gift. Yeah. That when you're standing at the edge of something painful or hard or difficult or challenging, yes. that within that, there is a gift. And that gift is choice. And too many people find themselves at the effect of what the world has given them. And, you know, on September 11th, the entire country was yeah. at the effect of what had been done to us collectively yes. as a group. Yes. And individually, you know, to me and to, to my children. And I had to digest that. Yeah. And, and at some point, and it was a... It wasn't a one moment thing. It was a, a long journey to get to a place where I said, do I want to remain at the effect of what has just happened to me? Yeah. Or do I want to step into a place of what I call limitless potential? A place where there are no limits on the joy and happiness and peace that we can, that we can have in our lives. You know, all too often we limit what we see and how we feel because of what's happened to us. Right, right. And I, I have learned that you don't need to do that. Well, I mean, there are some people who, you know, they were in similar circumstances to you. They lost someone on September 11th and their life shut down after that. And so what do you think it is within you that allowed you to dig deep and to to salvage and not just salvage, but like you've actually created an amazing life for yourself while still honoring your husband and not sort of just cutting off from that. So what, no. what was it in you that allowed you to do that? That's such an easy uh, question to answer. Um, it was my faith. Yeah. You know, there, there, uh, there is nothing and it is the number one life lesson that I talk about. I talk about five life lessons when I speak. The first life lesson is trust your higher power. Well, did you have that trust before September 11th? Did it strengthen after? Like, because what, what was your faith like before this happened? I was raised in a faith, and I tell everyone, this is my faith. Right. Your relationship with your higher power is your relationship. Yeah. You have to define what that is, and you have to define who that is with and what that's going to look like. I believe in Jesus Christ. I was raised in a Catholic uh, household, yeah. and we practiced our faith. So I had a basis or a foundation, and I was able to then take that and really develop a yeah. deep relationship with Jesus Christ yeah. because that's who was there for me. Right. Really, right. In, the, in the quietest, stillest, most painful moment, he was there. And I, I mean, I'm sorry about the painful moments. I love that you are reminding people that that relationship can be there and the pain can exist simultaneously and you can mm -hmm. go to whoever, you know, whoever someone's higher power is with that pain. Because I think sometimes people have, 
you, myself in the past included, you know, I've had this relationship with a higher power that was so conditional. Like, okay, well, yeah, you know, I believe in a God if everything's turning out my way, if I'm getting what I want, mm -hmm. if things are going well, and then, you know, having the rug pulled out from under you and feeling like everything is lost, I think it's easy to abandon that relationship, but mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. And in no. fact, I think you, those are the moments when it makes sense to lean into that, that relationship. That's exactly right. When to yeah. really, you know, turn it over and, and just say, hey, you know, I can't do this right now, you know, yes. and I really need your help. I, I, need, I need you. And when you can get to that place where you recognize that you're limited. Yes. And there's somebody out there who can help you. They do. He does. And he, and he does it through people. And that's yes. a, a story that I share when I speak is a, a, about a project that was started at my house and not completed. And it, one morning I woke up and there was a group of people outside. And whenever my sister had asked me about the project, when, when was it going to get yeah. done? I would say to her, you know, I'm going to put it in God's hands yeah. for a number of reasons. And I don't want to spill too much right, because right. it is one of the stories yeah. that I share. But um, in that moment is when I realized, you know, I need to trust God more often. Yes. Yes. I need to rely on him to help me. Yeah, to help you and also the work that you are doing, I believe, is God like speaking through you. The fact that you're able to help others and talk to other people and, and lean on, you know, your example to to really communicate a powerful message of what they can achieve in their lives if they develop their own relationship. Absolutely. With it has been my consistent prayer yes from the day that I lost Michael through last night <laughs> and that prayer is if this horrible atrocity happened in our world and in, in my life personally how can you help me God to use that to create goodness yes. because really the only way that you combat evil and yeah, hatred yeah. is through love yeah. and kindness yes yes well, if it's not too painful, I really want to kind of have you talk a little bit about what it was like for you on September 11th, what it was like like immediately afterwards, because I know that I've experienced a certain amount of tragedy in my life, but it's always been things that I could expect, right? Like someone was dying for a long period of time and then they passed. Like I, I never experienced a sudden sort of loss like the one that you've experienced. And I think a most people have not and so how do you know how do you cope with something like that and what was it like uh so it was devastating yeah. and um there really sometimes I, I i hate to say this but there there really are no words to explain yeah. what it feels like yeah um, i try not to focus too much on what that that particular day and moment felt like yes but instead on taking that moment and and shining a light on it to project it forward. So in the pain and the suffering and the loss, I, I was devoted to my husband for 12 years. We loved each other. Um, we were inseparable. We did everything together. We had these two beautiful children. We had this loving marriage. Um, yeah. I knew the day I met him, I wanted to marry him. Wow. So when you lose that all in one moment, yeah, there, there, yeah, are, there yeah. are no... 
there is no way to convey that. Right, right. Well, and I would imagine, I mean, the fact though, that you had this incredibly loving, connected relationship that you have had and have two beautiful children that came from that, like, I would imagine that that, that was a source of, like, a real lasting legacy of love. And it's, it still is. It's the yeah. one thing that I tell anyone who is suffering from the loss of a loved one. And the one thing that I say is, and it's biblical, love never dies. Yeah. There is, and again, I speak to it in terms of limitless potential, yes. right? So our, our ability to love is limitless. Our higher power doesn't say, oh, you can only love one person. Right. Well, if you only loved one person, what if you have 10 kids? Yeah, right? yeah. So one of the most profound things uh, my daughter said to me, I, I'm remarried, and one of the most profound things that my daughter said to me, she was 12 when we got remarried. And I said, you know, are you okay with this? You know, yeah. I, I wanna make sure you know that I still love that. Yeah. Like that's not going anywhere. Yes, that yeah. love is not going anywhere. And Krista said, mom, you loved me, and you had Mick, yeah. and you love Mick. You don't love Mick more than me, and you don't love me more than Mick. Yeah. You love us both, you love us differently. Uh, and I was like, God, you're 12. Oh my <laughs> but gosh, yeah, that's, that's so That's profound. who she was, and it was just very, there's room in your heart to love as, as many people as you want to love. Yeah. And you love them appropriately for the role that they have. Michael yes. had a role in my life, and he will always have a role in my life. Yeah. But he's not here to share my life with me right? in, in, in a way that you're sitting next to yes, me on the sofa. Yes, he's yes. very much a part of my life. Yeah. But Paul is here, um, my husband now, yeah. and shares a, a role in my life that is, is different yeah. than the role that Michael shares. But I love them both. Well, and that, I mean, I love that. And I've also found that when I'm open to love, love generates more love. So mm -hmm. if I have a loving relationship with a friend or a family member or whatever, not only does it not take away from my love for them to love someone else, but it adds to it. It's mm -hmm. like it's like muscles or something. The bigger my heart can grow, the the more love I have to sort of extend in right. that way. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, in terms of the speaking that you do, um, you're like Michael is not the beginning and end of your story, right? You also no. have been through another very deep experience that I'll let you share about. Yes, and that experience was really the experience that propelled me to do what I need to do. I, I think uh, I was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it happened on the day of our youngest daughter's graduation. Oh my was gosh. was kind of when I found out. And um, at that moment, I realized life is short. Yes. And if I'm going to get this message out, I need to get this message out. Yeah. And it goes along with one of my principles that I talk about, one yes. of my five, which is say yes. Okay. And the reason that I say yes is when you say no, you once again put yourself in the box yep. and limit your potential for growth. But when you are able to sit back and, and say, you know, I'm just going to say yes. Yeah. So I said yes to a lot of things that year that I was diagnosed and I went through um, 
six, I went through six rounds of uh, chemotherapy. Oh my gosh, wow. Uh, but during that year that I was going through all that, I started this business, we sold our home, um, moved into a new home, I went back to school. So wow. I started a new job shortly after the next year. So it just kind of was this big, um, now or never, you know, yeah. let's get this thing started. Yeah. So, uh, and during that time, I was able to put into action the five principles that I learned yes. after losing Michael. And those five principles are trust your higher power, yep. honor your values, not your fears, yeah. release resentment, okay, yes. stay present, yeah. and say yes. Oh my and gosh, I love that. If you really learn them, yes, and then I say love them, which means in any loving relationship, yep. it's give and take, right? You think about a marriage or a friendship that's that's lasting and long. Yes, it hasn't been perfect. Oh, of course there not. There have no. been ups and downs. It's but you're devoted to it. Yeah, you're entrenched in it. Yep, and you're going to do anything to make it work. And that's the way you have to be with these five principles. Yeah. You have to be passionate about them. Yes. you have to be devoted to practicing them. Yes, um, you can't just say, "Oh yeah, I learned them. They're good." I'm well, and I on. love that you say practicing them, right? Because it's one thing to know yes, but it's another thing to say it and then follow through on that well, yes. Well, right. And, yeah. and one of the things as we were blending our families, um, you know, when you're raising four children and you've had tragedy to these two and tragedy to yeah. these two, to be able to say yes to let your kids do is really, really hard to be able to let go of that control and allow them to take ownership of their own lives yeah. and and to say yes to them when you know maybe it's not gonna yeah. be, you know, work out the best. Yeah. It's it's difficult. So during those times to really practice that, you know, as well as, you know, honoring our values yes. and not our fears. And you know, staying present in each moment and really, you know, uh, trusting our higher power. Those were all things that I, that I got very good at. Yes. And Paul, I think, grew a great deal during that time of being able to implement those things in our family and in our marriage to be able to make sure that we lived them. Yeah. We really lived them so that when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was like cancer. Yeah. You know? I, I didn't fear it because I honored my value on courage and faith. Wow. And I wasn't angry at it. I didn't resent it because it was a disease and I had it. Yeah. And I, I was going to get better or I wasn't, you know? And I was going to do everything I could to get better, but I wasn't going to waste any time staying present yeah. of the present focused on what could happen. Yeah. Because when we project yes. to what could happen, or when we project ourselves out of a painful situation to a better time, yeah. we're not present. Well, and it reminds me so much of the serenity prayer, right? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Like, if you're trying to change the things that you cannot change, and, and like, then all the possibilities, you talk about unlimited possibilities, all the possibilities you become completely closed off from them, right? Whereas mm -hmm. when it's, okay, I'm going to accept this is this thing, I'm dealing with it, where where do I have some capacity for expansion to say yes, to, you know, like, do things? I mean, I, I 
feel like you're really talking about putting that into action. Like your life to me feels almost like a, an inaction of a prayer. Well, that's a, that, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's a compliment. But it is, and it is, if you think about that prayer, that prayer is all about staying present. Yes. Right? Don't ruminate over the past. How many people have been able to time travel and go back and change what they did? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you can learn from it. Right. And you can make sure that you don't do it again. But you can't change the past. So don't live there. And don't project yourself to the future because you don't know what could happen. Tomorrow is promised to no one. Yeah. So when you become so focused on the future, um, you're, you're not present. But when you're present, and sometimes you're present in pain. Yeah. I was present in pain for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But because I was present in pain for a long time, I can now be present in joy yes. in unlimited amounts. Yeah. So that's what's, what's very important is to, to just be where you are and feel what you need to feel in order to get over the hump or yes. to really appreciate what you're going through. I appreciated every day with a cancer diagnosis. The cancer diagnosis was the coolest thing because I was able to say, wow, this is what it feels like to be this in touch with your body. You know what, I've never heard anybody say, and I probably will never hear anybody say again, the cancer diagnosis was the coolest thing. Like, I just love that you're able to really sit here and own that it's like, yes, that I, yes, I did have this cancer diagnosis. And also, at the same time, I felt, you know, inside my skin, inside my experience. And I was able then to know that life is short. I do have a limited amount of time or unlimited potential, but a limited amount of time. And so I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to do the things that I hadn't maybe been saying yes to before. Yeah. And it's yeah. the lens that we look at life through. Yeah. Are we looking at the life through the lens of, oh, poor me, I am a victim of cancer. Oh, poor me, I am a victim of losing my husband. You know, oh, poor me, I am a victim of whatever people, you know, loss of job, infidelity in a marriage. There are so many things that people fall victim to. Is that the lens you're going to look at life through? Right. Or are you going to look at life through the lens of, you know, yes, I've been through that thing, but what is the gift in it? Yes. What is the gift in a cancer diagnosis? Yeah. And there, is, there, there are always gifts in everything. You have to look at it through that lens. Yeah. And that's the lens we try to as a family. Right, look through. Look through. Well, and I love though that you talked about being present to what is, because I don't feel you doing like some sort of spiritual bypass, right? Where it's just like, okay, I'm not even, gonna, I'm just gonna ignore all the oh, things no. that are mm -hmm. going on in life. It's like, no, I am in the trenches of my life. I am mm -hmm. feeling what needs to be felt and there is a gift and I'm going to repurpose that. It's almost like, you know, I, um, I like like repurposed furniture and mm -hmm. stuff and like cool, funky, like, you know, vintage things. And I feel like that's part of what, what you do, right? It's like, okay, there, there's this thing and it might be wreckage in the moment, but how is it salvageable? And then how can I improve upon this and build upon it and, and create something it beautiful? beautiful? Yeah, right. that's yes. what it's all about. And yes. It, think about it. Think about a time when you were in pain, whether it's physical pain, you hurt yourself, or emotional pain. Think about that pain and think about how wonderful it was to not have that pain anymore. How 
how beautiful it is to get to the other side of that yes, pain. Yes, yes. If you never felt the pain, could you ever feel the beauty? Right, and I mean, that's why I personally, I complain about the seasons, you know, like in the dead of winter as oh, I'm I shoveling out, yes. I'm like, oh, this, like, why don't I live in Florida? But I know why I personally don't is because I don't have the type of personality that can appreciate sunshine every single day if I don't sometimes have rain or snow or whatever. Like I, I personally need gradations in emotion and experiences to be able to really show up and seize the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of moment seized, I wanna ask you, how did you make that transition to like doing the speaking work that you're doing? What was that like? And tell me about the first time that you started speaking. So what happened, I, I decided, really Paul was a huge facilitator yes. for me in this. And I uh, was sort of, I became a certified professional coach. Okay. And I started my master's degree in pastoral counseling. I have not wow. completed, I put that on hold right now because yeah. I have so much going on. But yes. I started that. And I, I started this journey of how is the, what is the best way for me to reach the most amount of people yep. and have the biggest impact. Yes, okay. And we were invited to speak at Malvern Retreat House. Okay. And Paul and I spoke together. And it, something just happened. And I was like, I turned to him in the car and I said, this is what I'm supposed to be yeah. doing. And uh, then I interviewed, I, I had started a job, and during my interview process with the company I'm with right now, which is Medical Solutions Supplier. Okay. They're a DME company, they're wonderful. Yep. Very okay. supportive yes. of me. Yes, yes. Um, I decided, uh, during the interview, I was talking with the CEO, and I told him about my dream to speak. And not only did they offer me the job, but he said to me, I would love for you to tell your story at our sales conference as a keynote speaker. Oh my gosh. So I did. And when I did, the feedback and the response that I got was so great yeah. uh, that I started to reach out to other people and things have started to snowball. Yes. And uh, Paul is a huge proponent of, of getting me out yes. there. And, um, yes. really encouraging because he believes wholeheartedly in my message and so that's how that's how it and it's really been word of mouth I haven't done a, a lot of advertising yes. or yes. anything like that um, so it's been slow and steady well I have to tell you so I heard about you and got connected um, through one of my yoga clients who is just he's phenomenal and he told me about your story and he said, you know, I saw this woman speak. She was incredible. Um, you know, and, he, and, he, and he's like, you know, I, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And, and it was so inspiring and it was, you know, life changing. And I thought, well, okay, I need to meet this person because, you know, he tells me your story and it's like, it's devastating on a certain level, right? If you just look at the, the events and I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, I get how there wouldn't be a dry eye in the house. But then to have him say, and I was so touched, moved and inspired, you know, like this woman's story has the potential to change lives. She, she impacted everyone in the audience in a profound way. Like, I just felt like, oh my God, that's like, that is a redemptive and transformational experience. And, and so it, I'm, yeah, it's, it's amazing what you're, what you're doing and how you're using 
the pain of the past to really talk about living an empowered existence now. And when we started speaking, you talked about why I felt called. That's why. Yeah. It's, it's not me. Yes. It's God working through me. Yeah. And that is really what it's all about. It's about connecting to the God within yeah. and finding the message and the purpose that he or she yes. has for us yeah. and putting it out there to the universe because it's the only way to heal what's happening in our world yes. today. Yes. So you, you mentioned being a coach. You mentioned you know, them, that you speak in groups. Like how is, let's say someone's watching, let's say they're listening and they're like, oh my God, this woman is amazing, which I'm sure they will <laughs> feel that way. Like, how, do you work with people individually? Can they come see you? Like, are you available to be booked to go and speak at places? Like, tell us, you know, how, how do people get connected with you? Sure, currently right now I am doing primarily keynote speaking yep. for groups and uh, companies. And you can reach me at Miriam, M-I-R-I-A-M, yep. at eisenrockstalks.com. Yeah, yeah. uh, the name of my business yes. is from the story at the beginning. Yes. Uh, so that is the best way they can they can get a hold of me. I do have a website. It is under some transition right now. Yes, so, so they'll just get in touch with you that yeah. way then. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm so glad that you brought it back to Eisenrocks because I was thinking about like, I mean, just like the symbolic significance, right, of taking all these experiences and creating something pretty friggin' phenomenal. <laughs> and, um, and I feel like you've been able to, to really do that. And of the five principles that you mentioned, which by the way, I'm so glad that you mentioned them because I was like, oh, she's going to make this, us go to one of her talks to find out the five no, principles, no, no, no. but I love that you've said them. So I want you to... The coolest thing about the five principles yes. are the stories that go with them. Yeah. So people have to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, so I'd love for you to say the five principles again. And just like, if you, if you could maybe say something about like, which one you find like maybe people struggle the most with or like if you have any yes, sort of suggestions one. for how people can work with what you know just like give us a little snippet of something that we can do to sure. embody so better. the five are yep. trust your higher power and i think we talked about that yes. one a lot honor your values not your fears yes release resentment that's the one i'm going to talk about yeah. stay present and say yes so release resentment is that's probably, I would say, it's definitely the most difficult. Yes. I shouldn't say that. Everybody's individual and they all Well, struggle. it's the most difficult for me. So I want you to speak okay. to the releasing okay. resentment because I struggle with that for sure. So one of the things that I found that was, that the kids and I went through after losing Michael was that we were exhausted all the time, yeah. all the time, exhausted. And it felt as though we were carrying a giant backpack filled with bricks yeah. and every day we would get through our life you know yes. we would work we would go to school we would go to soccer practice and we would come home and just be exhausted and it began to wear on you I mean think about a time when you're tired oh right? yeah oh yeah and you begin to become short and you're and you're curt and you can't see the goodness and you live very much at the effect yeah. of what happened to you yes and I had an experience where uh, this became very apparent to me okay. that um, my backpack was filled with something. Yeah. <laughs> and it was filled with anger and resentment and hatred yes. and envy. Yeah. And I unleashed all of that 
on someone. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a, I mean, I shouldn't say it was a, it's a story that I tell. Yeah. Someone was talking about something that was really good that happened to her and complaining about the airlines and how she had to wait in lines and um, how there was, uh, there was delay in her and it almost ruined her honeymoon. And I overheard the conversation. Yeah. And at the time, I was carrying this huge backpack with oh, all of yeah. these things packed yeah, in it. Yeah. And I basically went over to her and said, you know, did you get home safely from your honeymoon? Yeah. Did your husband get home safely? Yeah. Well, you know, on September 11th, there were no lines. Yeah. There was no TSA. And as a result, I'm raising two kids by myself. Yeah. And that was unfair to her. It was unfair of me to do that to her. She was just sharing an experience. Right. And what I walked away from that experience later was, you know, I needed to put this backpack down. Because if I didn't put it down, yeah. I was gonna walk around miserable. Well, it was dragging you down. It and was, it was yeah. and it was and I was filling up two things that I learned. One was that when I put the backpack down, yeah. I was able to allow my kids to put theirs down. Yeah. And I also stopped putting crap in other people's backpacks. Yes. Like the whole heap of guilt that I stuck in hers. And so the important thing about resentment is that it's going to happen, yes. right? You're going to have people who do things wrong, cut you off in traffic, or uh, you know, an infidelity in a yeah. marriage. There are, people are going to hurt you, and you are going to get angry, yes. and you are going to feel um, envy, and you are going to feel resentment, and, and even hatred. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you want to stay there, or do you want to put it down? Well, yeah, and I'm, putting it down doesn't mean that it's resolved. That's a process, God, right? Forgiveness yes. is a process. But setting it down in order to allow yourself the time to respond to it and not react to it. Well, if it's like, you know, to use your metaphor of the backpack, you know, if you've ever carried something really, really heavy, which I have before, and like, so, and then you take it off or you put it down or whatever, and then you're left with that feeling afterwards of like, oh my gosh, I threw my back out because I was carrying this backpack. Yeah. Like, there's still healing that has to happen afterwards, Absolutely. but it can't happen while you're, you're still, still carrying, carrying, carrying that and backpack. And initially, when you set that backpack down, it is like just this relief, like, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't have to carry that. Yeah. And you don't, and people choose to carry it. Yeah. And that's what, and I chose to carry it. Yes. And I chose to pick it up sometimes yeah, too, and yeah. then chose to set it back yes, down. Yes. So that's the, the whole point of this is that in everything, it, you know, in that defining moment, there is choice. Yes. And there is choice with our backpack. And so I would say, you know, choose to set it down yes. and examine it if you need to. Right. Well, and that the, you know, the choice to set it down doesn't, mean that people who wronged you or whatever you're not saying what they did was right you're not saying what they did was good you're saying that no judgment yes that i am not willing to carry this anymore because it's too heavy and burdensome for me so i'm going to put it down right it has nothing to do with whether or not that i person, could not yes. right so you know i i talk a lot about i don't present about it but my husband paul and i talk a lot about judgment and when you judge anything, it's a nice day, it's, it's a lousy day, 
that's a decision and a choice that you're making. Yes, yes. It doesn't have to be a nice day or a lousy day just because the sun is out. Some people love the rain, right? right? And yeah. that could be a wonderful day. So choosing to just stand in non-judgment yes. will help you release your backpack. You know, to, to sit there and say, if I, if I, and I've done this in audiences, ask people to raise their hand if they felt as though the terrorists were, were bad people. Yeah. And every hand goes up. It's not my job to judge them. Right. What they did had an impact yeah. that was overwhelmingly horrible. Yeah. And affected thousands and thousands of people. Yes. Not my job, job right. to judge. Right. Which I think people might, you know, listening to that or hearing that might feel like, but of course, but it was horrible, but it was this, it was that. And, and at the same time, I feel like for me, you saying it's not my job to judge is there's also such relief in that, like in such a... What is my judgment going to do to right. better my life. Right. So if I walk around and say, you know, they're they're bad, they're evil, this is horrible, uh, you know, they should be blah blah blah. How how does that provide relief to me? Yeah. yeah. But to be able to trust my higher power to say judgment is yours, yes. not mine. Yes. Yes. Um, and to believe that judgment is someone else's, not mine. Right. Allows me to say. I don't know if I necessarily forgive them, right? Right. But I'm able to set the backpack down and say, I'm not going to stand in judgment. Well, I, to me, that feels more accessible than forgiveness, actually. Because I know people will say, you know, like, oh, you have to forgive everybody for everything. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. But to just say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to even pose the question to myself like I'm going to kind of exit from that role right. of judge because forgiveness is like someone did something wrong you know I'm going to let them off the hook for the thing the wrong thing that they did which to me feels harder actually than saying you know what I'm not going to and forgiveness, judge forgiveness for something like that should not be given it should not be yeah, given, no. I, I don't think, overnight. No. It's a process. It's a process that you come to. You know, when I started to learn more about, not those specific terrorists, but when I began to learn about the culture of terrorism yes, yes. and the way these people are raised, was there a choice for them? I mean, it's right? horrible. Yeah, learning that it's it's horrible and at the same time, as you said, you know, the, their actions had devastating consequences, but like, you know, judgment isn't going to help. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help that. It's not mm -hmm. going to do anything. So I really, I'm so grateful that you're speaking to that. And I'm so grateful that you are getting out a message of like, you know, what are your choices to people? Because I, you know, until you said that about putting the backpack down, it dawned on me that some people, I don't even think they see that as a badge of honor at their backpack. Like they don't even realize that it is a choice. They just think the only choices are to kind of like figure and out how there. to drag it. Be I was there. Them. So yes. I completely understand that. I carried my, you know, badge until one day I realized, you know, I don't want to be the 9-11 widow anymore. Yeah. That I don't want that one moment to define, which is why I don't speak about 9-11 a whole yes, lot. Yes. I don't 
that's not who I am. It's, it's an experience that I had. My marriage with Michael and the way that he touched my life yes. makes me more who I am than how he passed. Yes. And, you know, that's, I want to honor Michael's life and the way he lived it. And Michael lived in love and kindness. That's how he lived. Yeah. He didn't live in hatred and anger and, and he just didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't his MO. Yeah. So, you know, how do I honor his life? And honoring his life is not carrying the backpack. Yes, yes. Honoring his life is living the, this gift that we have and living it to the best of our ability in loving kindness, peace, faith, yes, hope. Yes, well, and I mean, there's just so much that I, I feel touched by in your life and in your message. And I guess if you had, you know, I ask everybody this, but like if you could um, say, because I think that every story, you know, every story has like a message or a theme or a motto or whatever. And I guess I, I'm just curious, like, what would you say the message, the legacy of your life, like what is the message that you want to touch people with for, in terms of your own life? I think the message really is just that there are no dress rehearsals. This mm. is it. So if you are going to live a life that's meaningful, don't wait till Saturday to start. Yeah. You know, do it right now. Yes. Go out right now, create your own happiness. Start with your happiness. Start with what's meaningful and authentic to you. Yes. And then all the success and, and reward will happen later. Right. Because when you can really start in today yes. and, and pursue what it is that's meaningful and purposeful to you, yes. All the barriers come down yeah. and life yeah. becomes a, a limitless adventure, uh, a limitless journey yeah. of, of all the things that, that you want. Yes, yes. Well, and all the success, all the things will happen later, but they'll also happen in this present moment because if you're doing the things that light you up inside, it almost doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it'd be nice to have great, you know, end results from that, but for people seek the end result so they can feel good. But if they're feeling good, that's... The, the, it happens. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. I actually just saw a great podcast on that. Did there you? was a great oh, podcast, yeah. yeah. And he was talking, the, the person who was delivering the podcast, and I can't remember his name right now, but he was talking about find the happiness first and everything else will happen. Yeah. If you, if, you know, we always set bars and agendas for ourselves and we, we, um, once we get to that agenda, we're never happy with where we are. We always yeah. want more. And that's because we're always seeking success. Seek happiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so much more, I mean, you like, you talked about choice. You know, like, I can't choose all the external events, right? But I can choose how I show up in this moment if I'm living in accordance with my values, if I'm saying yes to the opportunities. So You're staying present. If I'm staying present, mm -hmm. yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much. Again, I want to just reiterate so that people know how to get in contact with you if they want to book you for a keynote speech or yes. maybe try their hardest to convince you to do some personal coaching or whatever <laughs> it is. Like, so just tell again, you know, how people can link up with you. Um, Miriam at eisenrockstalks.com. Yep. And if you Google me, Miriam Horrocks Eisenberg, you'll find me. Okay, wonderful. And we'll definitely put it in the show notes. And just thank you again 
for being with me today. Oh, oh my gosh. I feel so touched and inspired and I'm like, I, I, I'm excited to live in this day and to just like really carry some of the lessons that you, that you spoke about because I feel like they are so transformational. I yeah. challenge everyone, pick one, just yeah. pick one and really commit to it. Commit to it, put everything you have into it, practice it, hone it, develop it, get angry at it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And then once you feel like you really love this, it becomes part of who you are and you really actively begin to live it. Then you can move on to another one. Well, and to me, they're kind of interconnected though, right? So it's mm -hmm. like a dominant, I feel like if you're really living in faith, then you're gonna have to say yes. If you're really being present to the moment, then resentment kind of, you can't carry that backpack because the thing you're resentful about isn't in that moment. So they right. seem very interrelated they to are. me. They are. Um, but yeah, thank you again so oh, much. Thank you. Yes, so much. So a big thanks to Kismet Cowork for allowing us to film today in one of their three locations. Kismet Cowork is a phenomenal place to work. I can speak to that because I work at their Chestnut Hill location, but they also have offices in Spring Arts and in Maniunk, Philadelphia, and they're even going to expand beyond that. Um, but if you are looking to work in a community of amazing people in a co-working space where you can either um, you know, bring your corporate offices and have multiple employees working here, or you can just work here as an individual who maybe uh, doesn't want to stay at home and work in their pajamas, which is what I was doing prior to joining. Um, go to www.kismetcowork.com. They have generously offered 15% off to any new member on their first month um, if you just mention me or mention this podcast. So again, that's www.kismetcowork.com and I hope to, uh, to see you around. I would love to be able to work alongside you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. As always, thanks to our episode sponsors, our production team at Rebel Hill Consulting, and of course, many thanks to you, the listener. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope you're creating stories that empower you and inspire others.